What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave Podcast with your host, me, Cole Haight, for anybody who does not know. Another week in the books, another NFL week in the books, minus the Monday night game tonight between the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington football team, formerly the Redskins. I know I'm probably going to get a lot of haters, that, that but I, I grew up, they were the Redskins. It's the football team now, not a terrible name, but uh, I digress. So, betting front this week, uh, in terms of spread and the over-unders, uh, the spread this week, we were 5 of 11, uh, not too bad, uh, a little less a little less productive than normal in terms of the spreads. Usually, I'm better against the spreads than I am for over-unders. However, over-unders this week, uh, 7 for 11, which means I went 7 and 4 for the over-unders. Pretty successful week. The parlay did not hit. We hit 50% of the parlay this week, the EK parlay, uh, the six-legger. We hit three out of the six legs. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll talk about a few of these games that were absolutely ridiculous in the way that they turned out, but that's the NFL. Uh, and then Turkey Day, which I didn't go over in the Saturday podcast, uh, but Turkey Day, two for three, not too bad, actually. Uh, did not think the Buffalo Bills were going to come out and absolutely shellack the Saints. Uh, however, that seems to be a common theme for the Saints recently. So uh, two for three on Turkey Day as well, uh, like we normally do on the on the Monday pod, which is today, obviously. Uh, we're going to do the Week 12 recap for all the games, uh, kind of go into a little bit about each game. And also, we're going to have another segment of under pressure times two so the second version of under pressure where uh you know what i'm not even gonna blow it early i'm just i'm gonna tell you guys later what's gonna happen but uh segment under pressure is gonna happen after we do the recap uh no monday night football best bets tonight uh taking the night off uh, my monday night picks have been awful lately so better not lose you guys any money uh and not lose myself money as well uh take a night off for the monday night football best bets considering tonight's game's not supposed to be too great and uh, it doesn't look like a good outlook so let's hop right in let's get into the week 12 recap with the Bengals beating the steelers 41 to 10 a lot of Steelers fans, as you guys know, from Eastern Pennsylvania. A lot of Eagles fans, but also a lot of Steelers fans as well. You know there's always going to be the rebel uh, within the state, whether you are a blank fan or a blank fan, depending on what fan you are. Uh, Eagles fans are saying they'll never be Steelers fans. Steelers fans saying the same, likewise. Uh, so the Bengals came out hot, and I made multiple comments in recent podcasts about the run game and Joe Mixon for the Bengals. I was set straight, especially in this football game. Uh, they were up, and they were up big early. I think it was like 31-3 to at halftime. So pretty, pretty high-quality game from the Bengals, especially since Joe Burrow only threw for 190 yards. Most of those going to T. Higgins and not Jamar Chase or any other playmaker on that squad. Uh, but big game, big game for the for the Bengals. Uh, they're back right in the thick of things in the AFC. On the other hand, the Steelers, Mike Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger, both of their media coverage from after the football game. Great listen uh, if you guys want to look it up and take a look. Both of them very upset with the way their team performed as such uh, since they only put up 10 points and gave up 41, uh, which leads me into my next comment. What is happening to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense? And I've made this comparison multiple times, depending on, it doesn't matter what team you're talking about. Uh, it's one of the basics. Uh, if you're if you're an NFL football fan, it's one of the basics. If one of If there's a strength on your team and the other side of the football is the weakness, the strength can only carry you so far. And the Pittsburgh Steelers defense hit that wall. Their offense has struggled all year. Uh, they've gotten them wins, uh, gotten them big plays, but in very small amounts in terms of volume. So their defense has basically been carrying them throughout the season. Their defense had a stinker tonight. Uh, not tonight, I guess, since we're recording this on Monday. But yesterday, their defense had a stinker. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals took advantage of it, and they got a big win. But really, what I want to think about right now, and, and let's talk through this, is what does life after Big Ben look like for Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin was linked to all of these. Mike Tomlin, being the head coach of the Steelers, obviously, was linked to all of these college jobs. He poo-pooed that. 
they aren't really set up for the future. They have Mason Rudolph, who they have seen play football and is not good enough. They got Dwayne Haskins. They haven't started him in a game that Ben hasn't played. They haven't played him in a game this season, not to my knowledge, at least a decent amount of snaps. So clearly he's not the answer. So what is the answer for the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward? I wish I had the the answer to that question. However, I don't. So the Pittsburgh Steelers may be on the radar for the let's see if we can find a random gem in the in the rough, so to speak, in the draft this year with a lot of quarterbacks in college this year considered a subpar draft in terms of quarterbacks uh, coming out of college. So I I don't know what they do. They need to address it. Mike Tomlin, he's one of the better coaches in the league right now. I would consider him probably top three uh, in the league right now. Maybe Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, and Mike Tomlin top three coaches, uh, especially in the past decade if you take that into consideration. I think his worst record has been 500. So he's a great coach, a great leader, knows how to run a football team. But when you are when you are basically given the point of having no quarterback and now, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he came back, took a pay cut. You know, he's not the future. He's done after this year. And if he comes back for another year, they're making a huge mistake because clearly he's regressed and age has gotten to Ben Roethlisberger. But he needs to make a decision, and I don't know if if he's on a hot seat. I don't think that he would be. Uh, but they need to make a very strategic plan as to how they're gonna how they're gonna attack this football team uh, for rebuilding on defense based on what they lost just even this season in free agency, as well as the offensive side of the football and who's gonna lead their football team at quarterback next year. So big win by the Bengals. Uh, the Steelers have some work to do. Next on the docket, the Bucks beat the Colts 38-31. to Big game by uh, Leonard Fournette in this game. Three rushing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. Uh, great to see. Uh, the running game for the Tampa Bay Bucks this year has been subpar, to say the least. Uh, I've mentioned multiple times already, but I'll say it again. The, the Bucks just run the ball to keep the defense honest. Doesn't matter who that defense is. Uh, sometimes it works out. Most of the time for them, it does not. I have no idea why, considering they have a pretty decent offensive line. But uh, Leonard Fournette, big, big day, uh, which helped them lead them to victory. But but let's switch. Let's switch to the other side of the football. Let, let, let's talk about the Colts, because I've noticed something for the last few weeks. Uh, and we have a Colts fan at work that, that, I rel- that I work with a lot, actually. And he brought up a very good point. And shout out to Zeb on this one. But here's the thing. Frank Reich seems like he makes decisions on offense to make Carson Wentz look good. And the play calling, I, I had to go back because obviously I, I don't watch every play from every game every week. Uh, but after he made this comment, uh, my coworker at work, Zeb, he made this comment. He's a Colts fan, obviously. But it, it just seems like the play calling wants to make Carson Wentz look good regardless of the outcome or regardless of what's happening within the football game. You have the best running back on your team in Jonathan Taylor. Give him the football and let him eat. He got most of his most of his yards rushing. I think he had about a little over eighty in this football game. Uh, most of it came late in the football game, where they they found nothing through the air, and he was able to get big chunks chunks of yardage down the stretch, which is what they should have been doing the whole football game. Now he had sixteen carries in this whole game. Unbelievable. AJ Dillon had twenty for the for the Packers this week. For the Packers. You have a run-centric offense in the Colts. It runs through Jonathan Taylor, and Carson Wentz needs to go off of play action and make plays off of that. Carson Wentz too, spending too much time trying to figure stuff out. He looked like he revert, he's been reverting to what he was doing back in Philadelphia, but the team he's surrounded with is a bit better than when he was in Philly, and he's having that terrible season. It's a problem, and Frank Reich needs to realize that you don't need to make Carson Wentz look good for your team to work for your team to gel, for your team to win football games. You need to win the football games the way they need to be won. And for you, that's running through Jonathan Taylor. You you cannot drop back. Carson Wentz, is, if he drops back 50 times, he's going to throw picks. 
He's going to make bad decisions. There's a lot of offensive playmakers for the Colts that have missed time or are dinged up, which are not going to make the plays they typically would make if Carson Wentz drops back 50 times and tries to throw. You have a very diabolical weapon that you have at your disposal, and they're not using it the way they should, and that is Jonathan Taylor. Now, Tom Brady didn't have the biggest day. It seemed like he was off on most of his wide receivers all day. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, who's been dinged up most of the season with back spasm, spasms with lung issues, he's had a, pl- a plethora of injuries. He led in targets, receptions, and yards in this football game. Now, granted, the Colts' defense is relatively good. Now, their corners aren't the best, and their safeties aren't the best. But I don't understand why Mike Evans has three catches for 16 yards. I don't understand why Mike God or Mike Godwin, Chris Godwin, has four catches for 24 yards. It just doesn't make any sense. And Rob Gronkowski is just hurt, dinged up, and open on all of these routes. It seems like there's something going on in Tampa. Now, I, do I think it's serious? No. But there's something going on in Tampa. I don't know what it is. They have never had this much success on the ground. They haven't leaned on Fournette for an entire for an entire game this heavily. So it's very interesting to see what happens in the in the upcoming weeks with Tampa Bay as to how their offense shakes up. Now maybe it was just a bad matchup. Maybe Tom Brady didn't like what he was seeing, which is why his wide receivers, his key wide receivers, saw less targets than tip than typically. But we'll see what happens with them moving forward. But big win by the Bucks, even though the Colts try to make it interesting late with a 65-yard kick return with 20 seconds left. Next on the list, the Dolphins beat the Panthers 33-10. This is the game that I was waiting to do the recap for. Two, two shout-outs for myself. Uh, I'd love to give myself a little bit of pat on the back on this one. But I told you guys Cam Newton was not a good quarterback. I told you. Everybody didn't believe me, and I'm not saying you, the listeners out there, but I've gotten a lot of pushback in terms of, oh, yes, Cam's going to be the answer. Oh, yes, he's going to be better than P.J. Walker. He's going to be better than Sam Darnold. Are you kidding me? Do you guys see his stat line before he got benched for for an AFL quarterback? He was 5 of 21 for 92 yards and two picks. Yes, he had a rushing touchdown. Cam Newton always has a rushing touchdown. But that does not excuse his bad play in the pocket. Cam Newton is not an NFL starting quarterback in this football league. He is not. And that proved it. That performance proved it. They got absolutely blown out by a Dolphins team who started 1-7. and seven. It's unbelievable. And I've been on the anti-Cam bandwagon. I guess it wasn't technically a bandwagon, but uh, there were some people that thought that he was going to be subpar. Some people thought that maybe he was going to excel in the old in the old scheme and the old team he used to play for. It's a different offensive coordinator. It's a different head coach. It's not the same team that he left a few years back. And it's not like his skills just came back. Like that's not what happened. I just I don't understand the hype for Cam Newton, and I and I won't for the rest of the season. And if Cam Newton continues to start and continues to get that much play share, the 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 Panthers are absolutely screwed. They are going to tank the rest of their season because Cam Newton cannot throw the ball down the field without throwing an interception, and he cannot run on every play. So how can you start Cam Newton? That that that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with it. Not to mention. Christian McCaffrey injured again. We're going to talk about some injuries, and I'm going to talk about some stuff later uh, in terms of injuries and how the NFL and these teams are handling this. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit, but uh, he's been put on IR officially. I know it's not the... It's not the podcast. It's not the midweek podcast where we go over injuries, but uh, that news broke today. Christian McCaffrey placed on IR for the second time. He will be out for the rest of the season. He had an issue with his hamstring. They mistreated him. They didn't handle his injury with care. Therefore, he then got more injuries or is now prone to more injuries. So Christian McCaffrey is going to be out the rest of the year. They're going to hurt hard. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, not a bad replacement for them, but uh, the Panthers need more solidarity on offense uh, because their defense is relatively good. But the solidarity on offense is why they're losing football games. 
And just the last thing, and this is the second part of why 100% I was right. Uh, I told you guys that Tua uh, was playing pretty decently the last few weeks and that he was going to have to use his tight ends and his slot receiver, Jalen Waddle, to win this football game. That is exactly what they did. The top three players in terms of receiving yards on the Dolphins are as follows. Jalen Waddle with a, over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. Mike Gesicki and Drew Smythe. Both uh, Mike Gesicki and Drew Smythe are tight ends. So the slot receiver and the tight ends both were key contributors in this football game. And that is why, with a very good defensive play, uh, why the Dolphins won by t- more than 20 points in this football game. Tua is good enough to win football games. He's not going to be Patrick Mahomes. I get that. I understand that, and I agree with anybody who would say that. He's not a franchise-changing quarterback, but he can get you victories as long as you play to your play scheme. Play to your strong suit. Don't play to your weakness. Tua's not throwing the ball down the field 45 yards more than five times in a football game with success. He's not. But with good route running, with good tight ends, and with a decent, at least decent running backs squad uh, backing him up to get them decent rush yards the Dolphins will be fine and they started one and seven and now they're five and seven with four wins in a row next on the list the Patriots beat the Titans 36 to 13 the Titans are starting to lose weird games uh, and duly noted since they are missing their basic basically their franchise player in Derrick Henry A.J. Brown also wasn't in this game. Julio Jones wasn't in this game. They were missing a lot of key components. Uh, But the Tennessee inconsistency is what we need to focus on here. They were able to rush for over 220 yards with two different quarterbacks, one of them being a rookie. It's very interesting. And then Tannehill comes out, Ryan Tannehill comes out and throws for 92 yards and is very inconsistent. They could not throw the ball at all against the New England Patriots. And I I proposed the question, what are the Patriots going to take away in this football game? Because I didn't think that there was a single part of the Tennessee Titans team as a whole that they could focus on, but they focused on not letting them throw the football. And it worked. They won by 23. Now, this game was close going into the end of the third quarter, uh, and the the Patriots broke away late, but they were able to get everything done that they wanted to get done. And that's kudos to Bill Belichick, who, like I mentioned, not a little bit ago, not only, but a bit ago, that he's a top three coach in the league, not to mention probably one of the best coaches of all time in taking away things that are very important to the opposing team and making sure that no matter what happens, that doesn't happen. Now, for for what reason that he decided to take away a bunch of practice squad wide receivers and rookies versus taking away the run game, which was actually ending up being successful, I will never know the reason for that. But it worked, and that's because he's a great coach. And I can't go an entire segment about the Patriots without talking about Mac Jones and their team staying hot. But Mac Jones is looking amazing right now, and he's looking like the best quarterback in this rookie squad. And this in this this rookie class of quarterbacks, he is definitely by far the best one. And, and and Zach Wilson has been struggling and he's been dinged up. Trevor Lawrence has struggled. Trey Lance hasn't even played. It's it's becoming a problem uh for a lot of these teams that did not draft him because of his athleticism uh and his maybe his physique. Maybe the fact that he played for Alabama, people were turned off by it. He is clearly the best quarterback to come in, step in into the NFL, and win football games. Now, it may be different if he doesn't have Bill Belichick as a head coach, uh, but we'll never know if, if it is absolutely that reason. We'll never know because we can't just remove him and put him on the Jags. But he looks good. He looks poised in the pocket. He makes good decisions. Now, he struggles throwing the ball down the field as well, but it's not losing them football games. So kudos to the Patriots and Bill Belichick for making a great draft pick in Mac Jones. Next on the list, the Giants beat the Eagles 13-7. Jalen Hurts looked awful in this football game, uh, and I think 
honestly, that it's due to whispers in his ear. Whether the whispers come from his own team in terms of the coaching staff, players, the maybe the GM, or whether it come from the media and he's been watching it. Jalen Hurts is a very good running quarterback who typically, in the at least in the past month, has made really good decisions while they're able to run the ball very successfully. He threw three really bad picks, two of them in the red zone against the Giants. That typically doesn't happen unless somebody's talking in your ear. Now, uh, did somebody say, hey, listen, you got to start pushing the ball down the field? Hey, listen, you're running too much as a quarterback. Hey, listen, you might get hurt if you continue to run as a quarterback. Anything in his ear that was whispered clearly affected him in this football game. Clearly. Which is why they only put up seven points. They were able to rush the ball, but his turnovers were basically the end of the Philadelphia Eagles in this football game. The Giants' defense has been inconsistent all year. They've showed up in big spots and random games. They showed up in this game. Now, granted, you could give that to a divisional game. Typically, defenses on individual games typically play a little bit better than if they were not playing a divisional game. It just seems like the rivalry kind of sparks up something in these defenses. Now, don't use the Vikings as an example because their defense is horrible, especially against the Packers. But for most de- for most divisional games, the defenses step up more than expected, which is why typically I go with unders in divisional games versus overs, depending obviously on specific events or specific teams in that instance. But typically on an average day in an average divisional game, I would pick an under versus an over. But it Jalen Hurts looked awful. And it, and it reflects maybe a little bit of the coaching as well. Uh, not necessarily because it's the coach's fault he made the bad decisions. Uh, but maybe the options weren't there for him to run. Maybe they were pushing. Maybe they were whispering in his ear. Who knows? Uh, but the Eagles are in the thick of things in the NFC wildcard race. Uh, and now apparently so are the Giants. Uh, the, the NFC wildcard race is uh, it, it consists of 16 football teams right now, it feels like. It feels like the entire NFC is in the wildcard race minus the Lions. It, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Moving on to the next game, the Falcons beat the Jaguars 21-14. to I just want to make this a little tidbit of information. Fun fact, uh, Laquan Treadwell led the Jaguars in receiving yards. Uh, Laquan Treadwell played for the Vikings and was drafted by the Vikings in the first round. He is a horrible wide receiver. He could not catch anything ever, uh, never performed well, was always dinged up. Always had it. He had an attitude issue off the field at, at one point as well. But if your team is being led by Laquan Treadwell in receiving yards, we have a problem. I've talked to exhaustion about Urban Meyer and how he's hurting the entire development of not only Trevor Lawrence, uh, but that entire football team. Uh, And Trevor Lawrence's completion percentage is awful this year, like bottom five awful. Uh, And that's because the team surrounding him is awful and his coaches are terrible. Trevor Lawrence is an amazing prospect with amazing skills, and he looks like a below average quarterback in the NFL, which he shouldn't. He should not. Now, granted, this is the first year. He's going to be there for a decent amount of time. Maybe they're able to make some roster moves. Uh, But LaVisca Chennault and Marvin Jones are not the two worst receivers to throw to either on the flip side of that argument. And maybe it's the offensive line not blocking. Maybe it's the coaching. Maybe it's the the situation in terms of where he is mentally in the NFL. But, But he looks awful, absolutely awful. And the last point about this game, which was not a very good game to watch, but... Uh, Cordero Patterson strikes again. I love this man. Cordero Patterson, I hated when we let let him go, and I hate how we didn't use him when he was a Minnesota Viking, and he was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. Two rushing touchdowns over 100, and 100 yards rushing, a few catches uh, as, as a wide receiver as well. They need him or Calvin Ridley or a combination of both. Uh, and Calvin Ridley right now is is step is stepped away from the game due to mental health. Completely understand that decision. I'm not in his head. I don't know what's going on. But if he's stepping away, he has the cognitive ability to understand there's an issue. And if he needs to, and he wants to seek help for that, more power to him. I respect him 100 percent for doing so. But Cordell Patterson's going to have to take the weight of both of him and Calvin Ridley. Because Kyle Pitts seems hit or miss. The next best wide receiver they have is Russell Gage, who's not rel- relatively good in terms of an NFL wide receiver. So 
he's going to have to take a brunt of this, and and it, he's going to be the one of the reasons why the the Falcons compete in football games. Next on the list, the Jets beat the Texans by the same score of twenty one to fourteen. What probably the worst game of the week, honestly. Uh, watching the Jets versus the Texans. Now I I didn't listen. I didn't watch a single snap of this football game. Didn't see a single snap. However. Based on the box score and based on some of the things that I've heard via the media, I can't tell by not watching it, which I probably should have went back and watched at least a little bit of it, but was it bad offenses or bad defenses? You'll never know. You'll never know because the Texans defense shut down the Titans. Uh, They only gave up 21 to the Jets, Uh, but, but their offense is terrible. And they keep letting go. I will never understand the Houston Texans this entire year in terms of from before the draft in the offseason to the draft to minicamp through preseason to now. I will never understand their decisions to cut basically everyone, sign a bunch of random people to one-year deals and expect it to work. Tyrod Taylor misses a lot, misses a lot of time with a hamstring. Davis Mills comes in, looks awful. They bench him for Tyrod coming back. I, I, I don't understand the decisions made by that made by that football team. I'll, I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. I feel like he hasn't even been talked about in the NFL, even in the media for months. He hasn't been talked about. What's going on with him? What's going on with, is he playing? Is he not? Is he on an exempt list? Is he about to be on an exempt list? What's going on with the court cases? Nobody knows anything. And nothing has come out. So it's very interesting to see what happens with that. But that's probably one of the reasons why their team is in shambles. They don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They have no idea. Tyrod's dinged up. He's not a franchise guy, so to speak. I think he could build a team around Tyrod Taylor. I think he would be good uh, in multiple different schemes. He's not the guy who's going to throw down the field five million times, but not no no quarter. Not every quarterback in the NFL right now is. That's starting for a team. So it's very weird. Uh, but uh, one little tidbit. The last thing I'm going to say from this game is it's good to see Zach Wilson back and able to perform. Uh, rookie quarterback, young kid, big stage in New York. He's in he's he's in the media capital of the world in terms of football, in terms of sports in general. Takes a big, big hit in terms of a leg injury to the knee, uh, moving around, confidence level, all that type of stuff comes into this. He's able to come out and get a victory in his first game back. Bravo to Zach Wilson. Bravo. Next on the list, the Broncos beat the Chargers 28-13. to The strength of Teddy Bridgewater is amazing. Teddy Bridgewater dinged up uh, in the middle of this football game. He exited for a few drives. Uh, Zach, um, not Zach Wilson, but uh, Drew Locke came in uh, to replace him through a pick. Four of seven for 23 yards and four drives or something like that. Awful. Absolutely awful, which is why exactly why, if you're a Broncos fan or follow the Broncos, the reason why Teddy Bridgewater is starting is because Drew Locke is horrible. He's a terrible football player. Risky. Uh, everything that anybody said about Zach Wilson in the draft, that is basically Drew Locke. But I think Zach Wilson is better. Better arm, makes slightly better decisions, and he can run more often than Drew can, Drew Locke can. So Teddy Bridgewater comes back in that game, gets him a victory. Uh, But the one thing I really noticed from this game, looking through some of the highlights, looking through some of the game, the, the plays on game pass, the Broncos need to be able to run the football effectively, and their offense works. If they can't run the football effectively with Melvin Gordon and the rookie Javante Williams, they, they can't get anything done. They can't. Uh, and in this game, the, the the running back duo, the two-headed monster of Gordon and Williams, very good in this game. Very good. Not only rushing, but also receiving in terms of catching screens, uh, running uh, running back option routes, running wheel routes, anything blocking for, for anywhere. Pass blocking everywhere on the field. The the running back duo played a very good played a very good part in this victory for them. Not to mention how bad Justin Herbert looked in this football game. Now you can say a lot of things about Justin Herbert. He's performed very well recently, uh, especially. I mean, as a as a whole, Justin Herbert has played well, uh, but he's had a few stinkers and a few more than people thought. 
uh, through this season so far. And in their division, a very competitive AFC West. Uh, he cannot continue to play that way. So we're going to see what happens moving forward. Love that little tidbit of Justin Herbert on the Pat McAfee show uh, last Tuesday. Uh, very good to, to hear him talk, see where he comes from in terms of preparation, where he's learning all of his things from, how he's developing as a quarterback. Seems like he's got a very good head on his shoulder, so I'm not really concerned in the long run about about Justin Herbert. Uh, but he's had a bunch of stinkers, and without those stinkers, they're probably winning that division right now based on how the Chiefs played in the middle of the season. Now, not the way the Chiefs have played recently in terms of their offense starting to get their legs back, and the Chiefs' are star- our defense has been solid, more than solid, probably top three defense in the league in the past month. So if they can continue to play that way, the, Justin Herbert needs to figure it out because his defense against the run is awful and overall is also awful. Next, we get into the afternoon games. The Green Bay Packers beat the L.A. Rams 36-28. to Matt Stafford is a very polarizing player right now in the NFL, and I'll, I'm going to tell you why. So there's a lot of things going on, a couple things from this game, and also things beyond just this football game. So a few tidbits of info that you guys probably didn't know, little fun facts. But um, Matt Stafford is sixth in NFL history in pick sixes, which is very interesting. You could probably blame most of that on the fact that he played for the Detroit Lions for most of his career. Uh, However, he is the first quarterback to throw a pick six in three straight games. And that means this past game and the two previous. He's thrown a pick six in all three games. Now, calls for concern, I'm a little worried, but the lingering injuries is what I'm most worried about. Pick sixes are going to happen. Bad decisions are going to happen. It's football. But the fact that there's lingering injuries, he's got chronic back pain. He's got throwing pain in his throwing arm. Uh, He's wearing a sleeve for it on his elbow. It almost looks like it's similar to like a pitcher with like that needs Tommy John surgery. It seems like he's he's short arming passes. It seems like he doesn't want to throw as far down the field as he wants. And when he does, it seems like it hurts, uh, which is a problem for the L.A. Rams. Uh, and it's been a problem considering they are on a downward spiral, considering they started 5-0 and and are 7-4. and So that's a problem. Now, going into Lamb, or yeah, going into Lambeau, uh, big game, Aaron Rodgers at home. I, I don't blame them for losing the football game. I don't blame them. It's hard to go into Lambeau and win. It's very hard, especially late in the season when it's cold. It's usually snowing. The wind chill is low. Aaron Rodgers knows what he's doing. They're able to pound the running or pound the rock, I guess you could say, with A.J. Dillon, a bigger running back. Uh, it's probably very hard to play defense against him and that offense, but – Uh, The Rams can't run the football at all. Uh, Henderson can't run. Daryl Henderson can't run the football well. Sony Michelle hasn't had any success. Matt Stafford's finding himself on a team that he's already played for in the Detroit Lions. They haven't had a run game since they drafted him before he left. They haven't been able to support him with a run game with any consistency. And now he's expected to throw the ball down the field at a very high clip. Granted, he has Cooper Cup, uh, but Odell Beckham is there now. And Robert Woods is hurt, which is a way more reliable target, especially in that offense. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Rodgers did play a very good game, and they won. So Aaron Rodgers is going to get kudos. Him and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb seems like a flash from the past, honestly, with the speaking of those three in the same sentence. But they had a very good football game, uh, very concerning for any Packers fans out there with Aaron Rodgers talking about having in-season toe surgery uh, to fix the toe that's been an issue. People have called it the COVID toe issue, uh, which is a very hilarious statement to name that, but... If he has midseason surgery, does he miss a week? Is it similar to like a broken finger where if you're a running back or wide receiver and you have surgery on Monday after your game on Sunday, you could be good to go the following week? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I would love to look into that, which I will after I'm done recording this podcast. But without Aaron Rodgers, that team is nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
We saw their offense with Jordan Love. It's not good. Even with both of their running backs at their disposal, it's not good. So if Aaron Rodgers is to miss any time with this toe, toe issue, whether he rec- he says he has surgery, whether he tries to fight through it, I think at some point it's going to come back to haunt him, whether he has the surgery or he doesn't, either way. Uh, whether he misses one, two, possibly three games, more games maybe, or he p- tries to play through it and has some type of setback or, or starts to play, his play starts to, to diminish. Uh, but we'll see what happens to the Packers. They have a bye week this week, so we're going to see whether or not he ends up having this surgery, what the what the rehab time is, uh, and all of that. And that should come out mid- by midweek, so we should have some answers to that relatively soon. But if you guys didn't catch it, the Odell Beckham Jr., Devontae Adams drama going on, uh, apparently Odell Beckham went up to Devontae Adams at the end of the game, asked for a jersey swap. He said, absolutely not. Why don't you ask Cooper Cup, Uh, which was clearly a dig considering the Packers were high on his list and he decided to go to the Rams anyway. Uh, A lot of that is BS. Uh, Most of the jersey swaps are for the media. Uh, these, These players, I mean, some of them probably care. A lot about the jersey swaps. They keep them. They frame them. They do all this stuff with them. Uh, but a lot of this is media garbage. Uh, if you could pick L.A. Uh, with a solid team or Green Bay with a solid team, where would you want to play football? And I'm just being 100% honest. Unless you're an Eskimo or you absolutely love the cold as a wide receiver, you're picking the L.A. Rams. Uh, that It's not a ballsy statement. It's a true statement. Think about it. Unless you absolutely love the cold to the point where in the sun you will melt, you are picking the L.A. Rams with Sean McVay, a solid coach, with a solid defense, with playmakers. You're picking that over basically the same thing, a solid coach, solid playmakers, and a solid defense. Better weather wins every time in the NFL. It always does. Moving on, the Sunday night football game, the Ravens beat the Browns 16-10 to amongst the four interceptions that Lamar Jackson threw, and they still won the football game by six points, and they covered, which helped the parlay lose, but lose by less, I guess you could say, since we didn't hit at all. Uh, But two things, two very important things that I want to take away from this football game. Ugly football game to watch. Uh, I saw a bit of it. To be honest with you, turned it off. Didn't Didn't even want to watch it to be quite honest with you. It looked ugly to start, wasn't very exciting, not really into both of those teams, uh, plus tired from putting up Christmas uh, Christmas decorations all day, to be quite honest with you. Also, the Vikings got absolutely smacked, which we'll talk about next, but uh, I didn't see much of that game. The, the Browns' running game was non-existent, which is interesting for that football team. Kareem Hunt back, activated off, a, off IR. He's good to go. Nick Chubb also good to go with his COVID issue and his ankle issue. Both of them apparently 100% going into this football game. Combined had 15 carries for 36 yards. That's a problem. That is a huge problem. If they can't run the football, you're not expecting Baker Mayfield with a torn labrum, a bad foot, a bad knee, and possibly... Um, a bad neck as well, which is what I've heard recently amongst the NFL blogs that I follow. But he's completely dinged up, and if they can't run the football, there is no type of way for them to have success unless every single point they score is a pick six, which did not happen even though they had four interceptions. But uh, the Rams, I mean the Ravens, the Ravens are going to be a boatload to deal with in in the playoffs. If If their quarterback can throw for... Four inter- throw four interceptions and have less than 70 yards rushing. And that's Lamar Jackson, the best running quarterback in the league right now. Probably top three ever to run the football as a quarterback. Comparable to Mike Vick, but possible, possibly with better decision-making skills. If they're able to win football games like this, they are going to be a disaster to deal with in the playoffs. God bless the team that has to deal with the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. Even if it's not in Baltimore, what if it is? This team finds a way to win football games when they're playing at their worst, which means when they're playing at their best, they are going to be a boatload, and it is going to be a problem. And as we typically do, we go into the final game of the recap, the Vikings game. The 49ers beat the Vikings 34-26. to I am so sorry for the next two minutes. 
But I need everybody out there to go out and look at the Adam Thielen catch that was denied a catch in the fourth quarter of this football game. I do not understand. There's, there is viral videos going out to about the Cleveland Browns scoring a touchdown with a wide receiver not even having his hands on the ball and it's touching the ground and it is called a touchdown. And Adam Thielen puts his hands under a football. It does not hit the ground. He catches it and is called as an incomplete pass. It is unbelievable. Multiple holding calls missed. I watched the game from start to finish, didn't miss a single play. And I'm not being biased because my team lost. That's not what this is about. Although it may kind of sound like it. But that's not what this is about. This is about everywhere in the NFL. It's still a problem. And honestly, I told myself I wasn't going to keep talking about the refs, but they continuously impact football games. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And the only way to stop it is to stop watching football, which a lot of people out there will not do. They get the ratings. They don't care. But this is affecting fan bases. This is affecting players. This is affecting teams. It's affecting jobs. People are losing their jobs because games are being lost. uh, Because these refs are absolutely terrible. What do you have people in New York looking at plays for and the ability to challenge a play to look at it again if the pl- the correct call is not going to be made? It doesn't make any sense. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Dalvin Cook injury, another injured player. Uh, apparently, Dalvin Cook has been injured for a few weeks now, which I didn't know about because they kept it a little bit hush-hush in terms of out in the media. But he's had a torn labrum in his left shoulder. Now he dislocates his right shoulder in this football game, uh, exits and I believe, the end of the third quarter, uh, fumbled on a play, got injured, fumbled uh, in the backfield, picked up by the 49ers. They got down to like the five. It, it, it was a disaster, and and what the Vikings need to do moving forward at running back is split carries. Split carries between Alexander Madison, who is not Dalvin Cook, yet he can perform, uh, and Kene Nwangu. Nwangu is a great player, one of the fastest players drafted in the league, one of the fastest 40 times. We need to use him at running back, similar to when we had Latavius Murray um, and Jarek McKinnon. Use them in the similar type way so that one of them doesn't get dinged up again uh, because Dalvin Cook's going to be out a bit. He's going to be out a bit with a dislocated shoulder and a torn labrum. Probably the rest of the season, to be honest with you, not mentioning it hasn't been released yet, which is definitely going to be on the injury podcast, the midweek podcast that'll come out on Wednesday. But more on him. But right now, it does not look good. The, the synopsis is not good. So it's it's a disaster. Uh to flip on the to the 49ers quick, Jimmy Garoppolo, we made him look like a professional. We made him look amazing in this football game. Uh, defense struggled all game, especially the secondary giving up big plays, uh, missing a lot of key interior linemen the Vikings were in this game. Uh, they were able to run the football at will. Uh, where most of these sweet plays and and pitches to either Debo Samuel or uh, Elijah Mitchell uh, or Jeff Wilson Jr. or anybody else, all the swing plays, uh, holding calls galore everywhere. It, it was nuts. They were able to run the ball, uh, I guess, successfully throughout the day. Debo Samuel, two rushing touchdowns. Nobody could tackle. Nobody could stop the run. It was going to be a shootout from the start, and I could see it. Kirk Cousins, two touchdown passes, one pick, a very bad pick over the middle, uh, threw it directly to a linebacker, uh, and with the Dalvin Cook fumble, two turnover, two costly turnovers that they turned into 10 points. So that's the biggest reason why we lost by eight. Uh, had a chance to tie it up late. Uh, got down to, I think, the 49ers 30-yard line. Uh, weren't able to successfully get a fourth down play to continue the drive with less than a minute left. Uh, so they, the Vikings fall in this game. Uh, 49ers take charge in the wild card race, but everybody else in the NFC is in a hodgepodge. Every single, every single team is in a hodgepodge right now. You got the Eagles, you got the Saints, you got the Panthers, you got the Falcons, you got the Vikings. There's so many teams right now fighting for the sixth and the seventh seed in the the NFC. It's absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane how many teams are in it right now. Uh, so the NFC is going to be a fight to a photo finish, so to speak. But uh, 
it's it's it, the refs are awful this year, and and I'm sorry to keep bringing it up. It's just a disaster. Watching a football game as a fan of football for multiple decades, multiple decades. I'm 29 years old. I've been watching football religiously since I was seven. It's it's awful to see, and and I know I know how football works, and I get that there's you could call a holding flag on every play, but not when there's people getting drugged down by their jerseys, people inside shoulder pads. People chop a lot. It's 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 a disaster, and it's not just against the Vikings; against every team, and this affects people's lives, not fans' lives. Because you're a fan of a football team, it's not a big impact. But you're talking like a GM, a coach that loses three key games that gets him fired because of bad calls. It could affect a lot of people's lives based on how bad these play calls are, or how bad these these foul calls are. It's ridiculous. The lack thereof, I guess I should say. But we will try again next week to try and get the EK parlay going. Uh, This is the beginning of the second edition of Under Pressure, the segment where I go over uh, five. I got five uh, players slash people within organizations in the NFL, anywhere from players all the way up through GMs, uh, people that are really under pressure right now and on a hot seat. Uh, We're going to do this again. I said we would revisit it. Uh, but we're actually going to revisit it right now. Uh, and this is the second edition of Under Pressure. Number five, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Yes, I just got done on my soapbox about my own football team, the Minnesota Vikings. But these two are absolutely on the hot seat. Mike Zimmer's defense is one of the worst in the league so far against the run, against the pass. They are good in terms of causing pressure to the quarterback, but we're not getting home. Uh, the sacks are there, uh, tied for the league lead in sacks, but but that's not the biggest, the only issue they have to deal with. Uh, Kirk Cousins' cap hit next year means we're probably stuck with him. Whether you're a Kirk Cousins hater or a Kirk Cousins lover, uh, he's not getting it done. Uh, whether he hasn't had enough around him or he has, it doesn't matter. He's just not getting it done, and his cap hit is $45 million next year. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The injuries and the defensive performance, which is supposed to be Mike Zimmer's forte in the league. Most of the players that are performing well for the Vikings right now are free agent pickups on a one-year deal. Uh, I could name basically more than half of the starters on defense, which I won't do to bore you. However, a lot of those players are probably going to end up leaving in free agency or they're going to request too much money, in which case we're going to release them anyway. Uh, and the injuries, he hasn't been able to, to build any type of depth on this on this team, uh, which is why him and Rick Spielman, the GM, are 100% on the hot seat. Next on the list, number four, Sean Payton. What are the Saints doing at quarterback? Trevor Simeon's not working. I know they lost Jameis Winston for the year. Uh, due to an ACL, uh, they haven't used Taysom Hill that much at started at the quarterback position. Uh, he's come in for a few of his gadget plays, but nothing serious since the exit of Jameis Winston. So, what are they going to do at quarterback? They're in the thick of things right now, five and six, right in right at the cusp of the of a divisional, not a divisional berth, but a wild card berth in the NFC. What are they going to do? The defense hasn't performed well the last few weeks. They're starting to feel the pressure as well from the offense of subparness. Uh, subparness, new word I just created on the podcast. But it, it, it's ridiculous. Alvin Kamara dinged up. They don't seem like they're getting any big plays down the field. So Sean Payton definitely under pressure. Number three on the list for under pressure, John Schneider, the GM for the Seattle Seahawks. What are you guys doing? moving forward because this is a continuing to be a huge issue what are you guys doing with with russell wilson what are you doing with Pete carroll what are you going to do with the dk metcalf drama that's been happening the last few weeks there's more memes of dk metcalf on the internet right now than there than he has catches in the past month it's absolutely ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and not only that their defense which they went out and spent multiple picks to get jamal adams to help their defense has been subpar all year as well so what does john schneider do what does he do what does john schneider do because he could get rid of pete he could keep russ he could get rid of russ he could keep pete he could clean house i don't know what he's going to do that's why he's a gm and we are fans uh, there might be some GMs listening to the podcast. That would be awesome. But I don't know what he's going to do, but he's extremely under pressure right now. Number two on the list, Ryan Tannehill. 
the Titans do not look anywhere close to where they were a few weeks ago when they had their key franchise player in King Henry. Uh, is he going to be able to carry the football team? The defense seems like they've been giving up more big plays after big plays, which is what they looked like they were going to be at the beginning of the season. The defense started to step up and start playing way better than they were expected to play. So we didn't really think about how Ryan Tannehill was going to affect or have to carry this football team. Now with all the injuries that they've sustained uh, to the all, all of the offensive playmakers, to be quite honest with you, Ryan Tannehill has got to put this team on his back. And I don't think that he can and I think the pressure is going to get to him. Now, can he overcome the injuries? Can he play decently with practice squad wide receivers and tight ends? But what is going to happen? Can he win important games? I have no idea. I literally have no idea whether he can do this. But Ryan Tannehill definitely towards the top in terms of being under pressure. And number one on the under pressure list, Sean McVay, the head coach of the L.A. Rams. Matt Stafford has looked abysmal the last few weeks. He's dinged up. There's uh, any type. All of the media is coming out with all of these injuries that he, that have been lingering for him that we talked about earlier. It, he's got a chronic back problem. He's got his, his throwing arms has an issue. They can't run the football. Their defense has given up a lot of points in the last few weeks. It's all of these things that Sean McVay had under control, even when he had Jared Goff as a starting quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that Matt Stafford's getting close to Jared Goff's play because we've seen the real Jared Goff on the Detroit Lions, but they need to figure out what's going on. They're starting to lose ground in the division. They're one game back. They're one game ahead of the San Francisco 49ers in the division, and they're losing ground on the Cardinals. And this is a team that had a lot of Super Bowl hopes and a lot of aspirations to make a deep run into the playoffs. So Sean McVay should feel some type of heat on his bottom in terms of being on the hot seat because he is the number one person that is under pressure. All right, guys, that is the end of the recap early week podcast, the Monday podcast. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of the listens. Uh, Everybody out there spreading the word on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, We'll never be able to repay you all for it, but thank you so much. And once again, thank you so much. Uh, available, the podcast is available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, and many other platforms. So please spread the word and continue to spread the word. Also, follow me on Twitter at All In Man Cave Pod. That's at All In Man Cave Pod. Add me on Facebook, Cole Hate, C O L E H A Y D, as in dog, T as in Tom. We will be back on Wednesday to talk about injuries, fantasy football, and possibly have a new segment for you guys as well uh, for the the midweek podcast. So once again, guys, thank you so much. Uh, Hope any of the Seahawks and Washington football team football fans out there, uh, good luck to both of your teams on Monday Night Football, and let's get it. Let's go, and let's get ready for the next week in the NFL. So until Wednesday, peace.